0: Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima-Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a mental health trailblazer, Dr. Roseanne Kapana hodge Dr. Roseanne is the founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, author of the Teletherapy Toolkit, and It's Going to Be Okay, and the go-to media expert who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Her proven holistic therapies and techniques have helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions from ADHD, anxiety, mood, Lyme, and PANS and PANDA. And today, as we come out of the pandemic, I think her work is so important to parents as we try and navigate the effects of the pandemic on the mental health of our children. She's a mom of two boys, a 16-year-old and 10-year-old, and welcome, Roseanne. I'm so excited for this conversation. So I, you know, we're both moms, moms are listening,
1: and this is like a weird time in the world, and the world is opening up, and
0: there's just so many things we can do to get back on track for ourselves and our kids. I know our mental health is at stake, but also our kids. But before we get started, I wanted to ask, what is your biggest mom win of the week? My biggest mom win of the week. I have a,
1: I celebrate a lot of wins and let's think of, oh, I'm going to give you my mom win for the day. So <laughs> my youngest Giancarlo is a, is an easy kid. Okay. I'm, you know, my other kid is not, you know how they come out that way. And so he uncharacteristically woke up a little cranky and I know him, he likes structure and routine and he didn't have enough downtime before his tutor got there. And he, he's dyslexic. And in the summertime, we do tutoring four times a week. So he's like, Wah. you know, I always say the Bruce Banner comes out and he's like, why do I got to tutor four times a week? Wah. So today I could see the Hulk happening. So instead of, you know, what I did is I just brought on the humor and I just brought him in. He started tutoring. I was like, hey, you can just leave your PJs on," you know, and I know the thing with him is that I just have to put food in his mouth he's like a hangry kind of kid. So my win for the day was I got him in 20 minutes from, from almost hulking it back to Bruce Banner. And he went with the tutor and it was great. And I was able to get ready without being interrupted. How about that? That's a good mom win for sure. And where was your other kid? What was he doing? He's sleeping. He's 16. I mean, you know, he might
0: still be sleeping now at two 30, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's funny. And to give the audience a little bit of context, tell me about your family structure and also kind of your work life structure.
1: Yeah. So I am married to Chris. He is my college sweetheart and we've been married 26 years and we have been together for 29 years. And we used to club together in the nineties and we are, you know, both my kids are special needs and Max, had chronic Lyme, and then we realized it was PANS, and PANS is when you have a sudden onset of a psychiatric problem due to infectious disease or a toxic trigger, and it's been rough. And it's been hard. And so we really are fun people. And so we really try to celebrate fun. So our family, you know, motto and the way we live is to celebrate. And Max has brought many gifts into our lives because when your kid is behavioral, it means that people will reject you. And the majority of people have rejected us. As cool as Dr. Rowe and Chris Hodge are, and we have the MTV Cribs pool and the bow and all those fun things, people treat you like you got the effing plague. And so I'm going to look at that as a gift because the people in my life are awesome. And I never have to worry about if they're really there because they love us or not. They're totally in. So they're they're so you know our daily life is we because of Max and our challenges, we really had to decide there were a lot of medical appointments for years and years and years. And Max is doing great but we had to structure our lives in a certain way. I had to work less. We'll talk about it when they were younger. And my husband turned down at least 15 job promotions so that we could make sure that we were there for Max and that actually I could grow my business because my husband is a very smart man. And he's like, Dr. Rowe can make a lot more money than I can make in aerospace. And and my husband is just that kind of, he's a real part. And a buddy, and I'm, you know, you could get your barf bags ready because when I say that I love my husband, you're afraid in the first 20 years to tell your friends how much you get along with your husband. But I really get along with my husband, and we really laugh and we have a lot of fun. And he still tells me the same jokes from 20
0: years ago. What, what do you think is the secret to that?
1: Playfulness.
0: Yeah. And having sex.
1: How about that? I
0: would say that's a good thing.
1: (laughs) But I actually say it's playfulness. It's really just not being so serious. Like, you know, listen, I'm really a business driven woman. I'm a second generation entrepreneur and I am a type air, you know, like type to the extreme. The first four months of the pandemic, I wrote four books and my husband and my boys make fun of me all day long. Like it is not a good day if I don't get ragged on by my husband and my kids, you know what I mean? So they just keep it light and it just gives you a whole lot of perspective. And it's, it's just really compatibility. Like we, we like a lot of the same things. And my husband is also a 99% yes Sounds great. Buy the more expensive one, honey. You should take time off. And he's a one percent no. And he when he says no, like my son John Carlo, it's a hell no. It's a hell freezes over no. And so I just know, You know that's just what it is. But you really, I mean, here's the thing about any relationship, whether it's a love relationship or a friendship, you have to have compatibility. You have to get along, and and you have to have good communication. But I really say the superpower of our relationship is absolutely playfulness. Like we really have fun. And I mean, in the moment, I don't mean we plan fun things, even though we're, we're, we're going to Jamaica with a bunch of our friends. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> our favorite all-inclusive resort, which is great food and, and we're gluten-free, but I, I just think that's it. And especially because things have been hard, like to see my kids suffer so much, you know, there's times when it's like, Oh, you know, not to say that we even looked at each other and been like, you fucking suck. Excuse my French. But, you know, <laughs> but for the most part, especially after year 20, I say that like after 20 years, now I feel comfortable telling my friends how long, wh- well we get along because most people don't get along. And I really think it's about mismatch expectations. You know what I mean? So, like, we recently decided I'm going to remodel a bathroom, and my husband is one of those can do anything guys. Like he can do anything. So I was like, hey, I'm going to save $20,000 and you're putting this damn bathroom in. And he was like, no, I'm not. And I was like, oh yeah, you are. <laughs> and we had this whole conversation about it. And I was like, I can't believe he's saying no to this. Because he told me I could replace the vanity. And then I was like, oh, we're going to change the closure. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So
0: any remodeling is like, a it's, it's just a snowball. <laughs> it's a snowball. Yeah.
1: So then I said, so, "So now we've been making." fun of each other over these bathroom remodels. And I was like, oh, it's going to be two remodels. I'm just telling you right now. So, so he's ragging on me and stuff like that. So it's, it's good. you got to have fun people. Life is hard, like just be in the moment. And if you're really
0: angry at somebody,
1: it's because there's, you're not
0: communicating.
1: I mean, really that's
0: what it is. I think that's such a good thing is effective communication, which is really hard for a lot of people. And it's also hard to, I guess, learn it or learn the proper tools and things. But I want to flash back 20 years and you know, when you when you actually not 20 years, maybe 16 years when you first had your son. Yeah. How did your relationship change? And once you found out he had some behavioral issues, you know, that fun life and what you were saying about people suddenly avoid you like the plague and stuff. That's hard on the parents. And I'm sure there's parents out there who might be in that position and don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. Any tips for that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so first of all, when we had max 16 years ago we put him in that damn seat and the three of us grammy hodge too we call her action grammy just can't leave my mother-in-law out of this 74 years old rides her bike 50 miles Black diamond skis, boogie boards on Tuesday. And and we go to Disney World. She asks where the gym is later that night. I mean, she's out of control. We love her. We take her out every vacation because then I could sit with her boyfriend and he and I sit and put suntan lotion on and talk. And the, then they, the Hodges all go crazy running around. It's good. And so we would sit and look at Max and we just were so ridiculously. We were one of those couples when we had the baby. We were just like in the endorphin love phase, you know what I mean? And my husband was like, let's have four kids. And I was like, no, you know, so, so that was that. And then, you know, we quickly realized Max was intense. He was really, really, you know, it was very clear. He's intellectually gifted from an early age. And I, I don't say that lightly and I'm not trying to brag. It was a pain in the butt. He, he needed a lot of stimulation and attention and had a lot of questions about everything because he was picking up all these things that he wasn't supposed to be picking up and then he was just normal with that. And so, you know, how did we navigate it? Well, at first, you know, you what happened to Max just just so you know, at 22 months he got Lyme disease. And we, we didn't know right away because it was December of 2006. And at the time we just weren't aware that you could get bitten by a tick in the Northeast in the winter. And it was a mild winter and he had gotten a fever for 10 days and, you know, he's 22 months, kids get it, you know, whatever. And then he started changing and he stopped eating and my kids are ninety nine point nine 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 percentile eaters. I mean, they they. Literally... <laughs> I mean, they're
0: they're Italian. So uh... <laughs> I mean,
1: my ten year old the other day was like mom, you haven't made any grilled octopus in a while. I mean, come on, let's get some grilled octopus. I mean, what's going on, you know? And these are, this is, these are my kids. This is what they eat. They literally have never eaten off of a kid's menu. Okay. They don't have that. They're like, oh, are you getting the Colby beef? And I'm like, listen, guys, you better get some, you better marry a woman with a lot of money or get a damn great. <laughs> this is a lot of money you're, you're eating. Right. And that's why we go to all inclusive resorts. They lose money when my kids go. Okay. So they stand by the jerk chicken hut in Jamaica and they just like oh, eat all the jerk chicken. It's so good. So, so he just like stopped eating and then, you know, lots of things started to happen. A lot of things start to happen. And so, So when something's going on with your kid, I mean, it's a strain, you were scared, you were asking for help. Now I already had been involved with Lyme disease for 10 years and I was working, you know, only had been holistic. So I was working with a naturopath and we were lucky enough that he actually got bitten by a second tick within, within like about six months. So we knew he was bitten by that and then he really deteriorated. So then it became clear. That's what he had. So I think the thing that is the greatest challenge in a relationship and 80% of marriages with a child, if you have a child with special needs, 80% end in divorce. So it's even higher than the 60% people, right? Because it's during the tough times, you know, I think the thing that happened to Chris and I is we, we, we call ourselves team Hodge. I mean, we pull together. So you're either going to be like, this is screw you. We're not, we're getting divorced, or you're going to pull together. And so we really became a team because we felt like we had to shield ourselves from people that had opinions. And, you know, we started, we became even more, you know, we started had to do gluten free and we, we had to do things like putting on antibiotics for two years and had to pay for it out of pocket because the doctor said that it was, It needed to be non-generic and, you know, people like, what do you mean you're doing? Like, and, and, you know, people would ask and they would be nice and they just didn't understand and stuff like that. And, and I think the greatest challenge was understanding that Max's behaviors were not purposeful. And I understood that, and I think when you have an impulsive kid, and you're you're doing that, and I remember being like, "Why isn't Chris understanding me? Why isn't he understanding me?" And what I did is wind up getting him somebody else's audiobook, and he listened to an audiobook, and he literally just like shifted. He needed to hear it from somebody else. I mean, it's why people join like my parenting group and things like that because you just need to hear it, right? And so that was one of the best things that we, we ever did. And, and honestly, a lot of times really, what do we conflict about is like, what's the right treatment for Max because Max will have flares. And so that means his behaviors will, will worsen. And we've had really scary, scary episodes with him that I could go on and on and on. And you're like, what? And people would say like, he needs to be in a hospital and he needs to be this. And, and you did know, the, all of this start with just the first tick? He changed so dramatically in the first tick bite. It was pretty <gasps> incredible. He literally stopped eating. And what did my
0: pediatrician say? Oh,
1: he's two years old. That's yeah, picky normal. eating
0: That's- time. I-, I get you. I have a three year old now, but yeah. two year old was super picky. Yeah. But he didn't ever do that. And trust your mom intuition and your mom. One
1: of the greatest, I'm going to tell you, somebody asked me yesterday, like, what's the greatest difficulty my clients have? Trust, trusting themselves and frankly, trusting me as a provider that these solutions that I use work. Hello, I only do things that are science backed. I don't do anything that's not science backed. So I think, you know, that's really hard. And I think, you know, when you have a special needs kid, you really got to have tight communication with your, with your spouse, your spouse, and, and, you know, you're, you're doing things. What did we do? I worked certain nights. I worked Saturday and Sunday all day, right? Because, you know, when you're a therapist and you're doing that, you could work all day, Saturday and Sunday and make the same income that people work 40 hours during the week. So we were split shifting it and we were very lucky we had supportive grandparents, right? We had a lot of one time play dates with Max, where you would get together and Max, you know, he's he's the kid that was the pusher or throw the sand or whatever. I wasn't letting him be on his own. I was with him and and supporting him and loving him. And, you know, people, people are really we were shunned by the women at the bus stop and my Shishi Poo Poo neighborhood, you know, they would literally Talk about getting together in front of me and not invite us.
0: How do you protect yourself as a mom? Like I, you know, our job here is we always feel like we need to protect our children and like, we don't want them to feel like that, but you as a mom, that's hard. And I guess, do you have any things like tips that you use to
1: like cope? You know, I mean, I have lots of things. I do a lot of things for self-care. I think ultimately in the end, I just became more careful about who I really brought into my world. And I started to do something probably about four years ago is like, Everybody wants to get together with me. And they would be like, let's all get together with our families. And I literally, this is what I say to people, Stephanie. This is a protective thing. I would say, listen, I want you to know I have a kid with mental health problems and he's generally great. But if he's having an off day, he might tell his dad to F off and you've got to be okay with that. So let me tell you what 90% of the human beings do in the world, literally their body tells you exactly what their thought is. They stop the conversation. They give me a weird laugh and that's over. Then 5% of the people like my buddy, Becky Wells said, this is fantastic because when my F year, my five-year-old tells me to F off, I'm going to feel better about it. When are we getting together? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So it's just brought like this amazing group of people in my life and it really has freed me. So I'm not going to lie there. There's definitely a heart hurt for that. Right. And I just stopped trying to make Max fit in. Please know he's really lovely. And most people, my girlfriend has uh, two, my two sister friends, Jen and Marla, their sisters, they have fragile ex-kids and we, we go on vacation together and we do stuff. And I remember Jen being like, I don't even notice Max. (laughs) Like, you know, they have kids with like AIDS and stuff like that. And it's just so normal for that. So I stopped trying to be like, we have to, you know, you know Max, please. You know, don't. You know, whatever. And and for example, he's slow to warm up initially, so he might just have his headphones in and not be talking to anybody. And maybe I would be worried about that before, so I had to let that go. Please know, like I'm a very open person, but you you worry about so many things as a mother, and I don't think anybody tells you that whether your kid is typical or not. And you know, Stephanie. of kids from 10-year-old data have a physical or a mental health problem. So this is a common thing. They say in about 20 years, one in four kids will have autism
0: wow and then i was going to say post pandemic i don't even know what the stats are going to be I for mental health i don't even know what kids. the stats are i mean I, I
1: work with people in person and virtually and all over the world remotely you know doing doing counseling and neurofeedback and it's all the same i mean
0: it's it's kids are
1: in a bad place i mean they're having a hard time
0: I think you made some good points though, is in general, whether or not you have a child with special needs or whatnot, but setting boundaries as a mom, boundaries for yourself, boundaries yeah. for your children and no, and being firm with those boundaries and communicating. I love that you set it the stage up up front. You're like, this is what you're going to get. My kid might tell his dad F off. And if you don't like that, then maybe that's not a good fit, but I think Absolutely. that works for everything, whether it's a client that you want to work with or, you know, a play date. I hear that all the time. And it's just, I think, I love that—the open honesty, communication, and boundaries.
1: Absolutely, you know, I'm definitely
0: a straight. And community, I was going to say, you found the people who. I found. I found the people, and
1: you know, here's the deal. And it's not like every one of my friends is a special needs mom. They're not. But, you know, you, you, we, we have to say to people, you have to be accepting, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and really be there for people. Like I'm, I'm a, you know, not, I'm not just Italian. I'm an Aquarian. (laughs) We are forever friends. We are the bury the body friends. We are the loyalist friends ever. You, I'm the friend that you call when you need anything, you know what I mean? And so I need that back too. And I think that's one of the things over time as you develop, right. And I've always been a good boundary setter and things like that, but you worry so much when you're, when you have a kid, because you're like, I want them to have friends. I want that. You know what? They only need one or two good friends. They really do. And so, and, and, you know, even just us, the Hodges we're super holistic. And, you know, we really have certain things we really value besides fun. Like we love travel. We haven't been traveling and we love really good food, like good, good food. And so we need people to like, love those things. And I
0: don't want to hang out with you. If you're eating Cheetos, not happening. You're not my people, you know, how did you get into this whole holistic side of mental health? Because I know it is a little bit different for some people, you know, absolutely And explain a little bit about what like holistic mental health for kids is too, because I'm sure there are people who might not even be aware of that as an option.
1: Yeah. So somehow science-backed strategies have been labeled holistic (laughs) and I'll talk about that,
0: but I only
1: use evidence-based approaches and they just happen to be natural things. Like 70% of psychiatric medications used with children are what's called off-label. And what does that mean? It means that there's not research to substantiate that it should be used for that issue. And yet somehow we're convinced that that's okay. And, and there's a lot of reasons why it's because doctors don't have pro- appropriate training in mental health and recommending the right thing. Cause if we recommended these things to parents, cause when physicians I work with recommend them, the parents are like, Oh, I never heard of neurofeedback, but how would I get involved? First of all, I'm daughter of Italian immigrants. And so food was medicine. I already was a holistic oriented human being. And I, this is my 30th year in mental health. And when I was an undergraduate, you know, I started working with kids and I, and I started to see how dramatic little things that you did. Could have an effect, like a life changing effect in a small amount of time, like spending time with kids, like giving them attention, how you spoke to them using positive language. And I was just like, wow, I only wanted to be a therapist, a psychologist. And I was like, I've got to work with kids. Kids are great, kids are easy, kids are sponges, and parents. They just want to be guided, right? My whole platform is like solutions for, you know, stressed and struggling kids and families, like, because that's where most people are, right? And then as I was in the field and I was, you know, licensed and I was a therapist, you know, if I couldn't make somebody better with the type of therapy, play therapy, very, very specific types of therapy, what did you do? You would recommend medication because that was your traditional training. And even though I ha- already was recommending nutrition and supplements already 20 something years ago, right? And then the kids I would work with, every single one of them had a bad reaction. I never, ever had a kid in those early days that had success and they would have cardiac problems, you know, psychosis, like. Bad, bad stuff, and I was like, "Why isn't anybody talking about this?" So off I went to the microfiche in the library, Stephanie. And (laughs) is that long ago? And and I was like, "What's this neurofeedback? What's what is this? Here's a specific type of supplement. Oh, we're not talking about that." And really, that's just it. And and I started using these things. I went to the research, and lo and behold. My family's just started getting better and people started to come to me from all over. Like you'd have people flying in and I'd be like, where did you hear from Ivan? Like I wasn't on social, I wasn't on anything. Like And, and that was because people were desperate and nobody, when people are desperate, they start Googling and they start finding the same things that I found, you know, like, oh, look, what is this neurofeedback? What is, what is ERP for OCD? So what is neurofeedback? Yeah. Okay. So neurofeedback, I'm going to geek out on you because I love it. So there, there are ways that we can regulate our nervous system. And I believe that every clinical condition is a form of central nervous system dysregulation, right? So you're, you're inattentive. You don't have enough gas in your brain to power it up. Your, your system is understimulated. You're anxious. There's overactivity, right? So, so it's about balancing out the nervous system. And I use tools beyond neurofeedback. I use PMF. I use biofeedback. But what is it? So through the use of technology, you can regulate your brain. It is nothing comes to the wires, totally safe, 50 years old, tens of thousands of research studies by 3,000 plus peer reviewed studies, right? So a higher level and really simply hooked to a computer, your brain is going to get reinforced every single time it produces the exact combination. For example, with ADHD, exact combination that makes you focused your, brain, your subconscious in two to three seconds. Will automatically produce a focused combination of brainwaves and the computer will reinforce it. Most sessions are about 30 minutes. People are doing this two or three times a week, 40 or so sessions sometimes less, sometimes more, never less than 20 sessions. And you're essentially teaching your brain, like building a muscle. You're literally rewiring
0: the brain. Literally
1: we're rewiring. Changes are lasting. We have research as far as 10 years out that shows that it's not only lasting, but the brain
0: continues to improve.
1: So people, I help people actually
0: reverse clinical issues and symptoms every day. And this is mainly in kids. You only pretty much work with kids. I work with with all ages. I'm not going to lie. I love working
1: with young, young adults in town. Why? They are open to change. They don't say to me, I don't know, is this going to work? No. They say, okay, Dr. Rowe, you say it's going to work? I'm ready. Let's go. I can't wait where you know my anxious moms are like oh my gosh what's going on you know and i'm like <laughs> you know and i get it i've been there i don't mean to to make light of something that's serious but when you decide to do something please be all in you know what i mean i couldn't provide more research i couldn't have more street cred you know what i mean like just it's amazing it's like an amazing amazing thing but i do take a multi-pronged approach you know my book it's going to be okay i i really really walk you through how these natural solutions work and give you step by step. And I talk about the eight pillars of reducing or reversing mental health. So there's so much parents can do, and they often don't know until your kid is really struggling.
0: So, so it's going to ask on that note, coming out of the pandemic, we're going to see a lot of mental health issues. How can, besides your own mother's intuition, like tell your child is struggling, like, are there any signs or things or trends that you're seeing already that maybe parents we can be aware of. And then if so, are there any like, Initial tips or techniques we can use before seeking professional help. Uh, Yes. And yes. And yes. So
1: before the pandemic, I was already worried January of 2020. I, I created the global Institute of children's mental health. We know there's going to be some long-term effects. I have a great blog on my website, long-term effects of the pandemic on mental health. I'll put that in the show
0: notes. Yeah. There's a link.
1: Okay. I'll, sh- I'll share with you. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of things that are pointing to that direction. So kids show us their difficulty, Stephanie, they are, it's going to show up in what's called somatic. It doesn't matter if your kid is 27 or your kid is two. So what if somatic it's going to show up physically, they're going to have sleep problems. They're going to have belly gastrointestinal is one of the top ones. Okay. Sleep and gastrointestinal, they might have headaches, they might be clingy. You're going to look for changes in behaviors. I mean, the scary part about mental health is that we are missing the signs. So research says from the first signs of a mental health problem on average, it takes 11 years for a person to get help.
0: Wow. Wow. And how can we like differentiate these from like, so you were saying, for example, two-year-old with picky eating versus not eating my kid has like stomach aches, but how do I know that's not because he ate dairy versus, you know, oh my goodness, is he having somatic stress? And like, is he going to, you know, it's hard as a mom to understand because you're trying to figure out all the things. Do we, you know, what do we do? (laughs) So You're going to put your detective
1: hat on. Okay. And so you're like, okay, he had dairy. He's got a stomach ache. Okay. He hasn't had dairy in a month. And I notice every night, Sunday to Thursday, he's got a stomach ache. Well, he might have stress related to school. So you want to really kind of look at the picture and see, oh, he's not getting along with his siblings and he always did. Okay. So then that becomes my next question. What do you do? Well, first of all, I lay it all out in my book. It's going to be okay. But you first have to put your oxygen mask on. Okay. So our kids are paying attention to what you do, not what you say. So if you were showing stress, and and I always say this, I don't mean to make you feel bad. This is literally, I want this to be an aha moment. I want this to be a kick in your tuchus. For you to take care of yourself. Okay. So if you're highly stressed, your kid not only is co-regulating off of that, right? So how they regulate has a lot to do with how we're regulating. And that's part of why we had to kick up our fun in our house. Cause we had a kid that was always going to be a no before he was going to be yes. And he was crabby and his brother's always a yes. So it, you have to balance these things out. Right. Plus it's hard to be mad when you're laughing. You know what I'm saying? So you have to do what works for best, but I promise you, if you bring more playfulness into your life, you'll feel better, but you have to put that oxygen mask on. Are you taking, are you doing breath work and you you, are you doing yoga? What are you doing at least 10 minutes a day? And can you bring your child or children into that? These are practices that I've, really indoctrinated my kids too. I started my kids doing these things when they were one years old. And if your kid's 17, you can still do it at 17. And so you have to get them to understand and connect to their body and value that you want to teach them to intentfully Regulate their nervous system, get it down to this relaxed, what's called parasympathetic state. And then they can think clearly, they can make decisions. They might even be able to articulate some of the challenges. And you want to have conversations about stress, how you're managing it. I talk to my kids all the time like, oh, that wasn't like somebody cut me off the other day, and I used like every form of the F word. and my little one really hates my swearing. Okay. And, and it's, it's, I swear when I hire anybody, I'm like, listen, I swear you shouldn't work here. If you don't like swearing and hello, it's legal in the state of Connecticut. And I've already checked with my employee, my employment (laughs) attorney. And I've had people be like, I can't work here. And I'm like, well, F off, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm like, well, good. I'm glad it's not going to work. So I was like, that was pretty dumb of me to use every word. And he was like, You know, we had a conversation. He was like, you know, and I use it as a learning opportunity. Now, if I'm doing that every day, that's a problem. So he knows I don't really get mad too much. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, you know, I was running around. I was late and, you know, all that. And it's a great learning opportunity for him because then if he does something today, like he tried to Hulk me and I was able to bring him back to Bruce Banner because we have these regular conversations and they're always great ways to help your kids cope. And One of the biggest problems with kids today is they have zero stress tolerance. Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to cope. And so your kids may be showing signs of stress and and they can be temporary. They can be signs of a larger clinical issue. Please know if your kid, you're like, oh my God, that's my kid. He's throwing up every night before preschool or, you know, before he goes to high school, you know, in the morning or whatever, you know, you got to be worried about your kid. And and we shouldn't use grades. As a benchmark of mental health, it's one of the biggest problems we have today in America. You can be super highly functional as an adult, as a kid, and have suicidal thoughts, have anxiety, have depression. So we need to look, be a detective, and look for those signs.
0: So once you start seeing maybe some of these physical signs, how do you approach that conversation? Do you... You know, I mean, like say it's a five-year-old or something and you're like, oh dear, you know, it's, you can't just be like, let's sit down and chat, you know, or like, you can't even ask them, like, how are you feeling? Or they don't understand how to communicate those emotions. So we use somatic
1: therapy in our practice with our clients all over the world. And so it's about connecting to your body. So one of the first things we do when we're stressed, right. Is to disconnect. And that's actually the worst thing you can do because you're shoving it down. You're avoiding it. And it's just going to creep up. So when you have a five-year-old and you see they're stressed, I literally say, put your hand, touch the part in your body where you're feeling that icky or that uncomfortable or that stress. And right away, I mean, I can ask a 57-year-old, boom, they touch the place. I had a kid the other day that told me touch the back of his knees. He goes, this can be really weird. And I go, nothing's weird around here. And I was like, I've actually heard that before. And he's like, Really, you have. He was so embarrassed. And I just normalized. I was like, Yeah, it shows up in weird places for everybody. Don't worry about it, you know. And and then you say, We're gonna f- wh- like what number is it? Five means it's really big. Zero means it's nothing. What number on is it? And the kid might be like five. And then it's like, okay, so it's in your chest, the common one. Okay, it's so right here we're going to send a breath right to that spot. And you just teach them to do what's called a belly breath. You can go on my YouTube and look up the breath work and you're going to get them to teach it. And then you're, you're going to do some type of belly breath at least three times in a row. And then you're going to say, what number are you? And if they say five, you're going to, well, let's do it again, you know, and then you do it again. Nope. Everybody comes down at least one. And you could keep going until you get it to zero and say, Wow, you did that, you know? And just reinforce it. Do it, you know, Oh, again, and get in the habit in the next day. Say, hey, that was so great. Wasn't that great? And and say, you know, so proud of you. Let's do it again today. Mommy needs it too. Cause sometimes Oh, mommies scary. need oh. it for sure. <laughs> Hello. Especially those people that drive in front of me in the passing lane and try to. <laughs> keep the pace like get out of here that's my petty annoyance anybody who knows me knows i'm like oh you know, my so. husband knows
0: not to call me in the car because I'm usually then yelling about like things going on around me. He's like, you stress me out. So I yeah. never call you when you're driving. Cause all yeah. you do is then complain about what's going yeah. on in drivers. But I digress. I wanted to ask you were talking about, you know, obviously putting your oxygen mask on first. What are things that you personally do in your daily life? What are those yeah. 10 minutes? You know, what are yeah. your routines or self-care things that you do for yourself? I do a lot. You can go into it. I want to know what you do. First of all,
1: I do my breath work multiple times a day, right? So I did it. I try to do it before I get out of bed. What time do you wake up? Yeah. When I wake up before, as soon as I wake up, right? Because my mind goes before my body. My mind is like all the time. You know what I mean? Oh, I just got the best idea. You know what I mean? Like my, my, my staff will be like, you sent us an email at 412. And I'm (laughs) like, well, I had a great idea. You know what I mean? ask, What time do you get up in the morning? Well, I am coming off of a book launch, so I am not having consistent wake up time. So I'm restructuring and I'm getting up a little bit earlier to do a weight, uh, a bar class or an exercise class or do something every day before I get going. But I would say that I typically wake up at six. Does it mean I get out out of the bed before then, you know, like at that time, no, it sort of depends. But sometimes I wake up at five or four thirty. So my body is just too much excitement going on with this book launch. So I need to, I'm intentfully working it. So breath work, regular exercise, saying no to anything that I don't love. And I do PEMF or biofeedback every day, seven days a week. I've done hundreds of sessions of neurofeedback and then big things I do that I regularly add in. So a 90 minute massage, I do that every other week and it started with an injury and I was like, this is the best. And then a magnesium bath, hot tub, those kind of things. And then really just trying to be silly and laugh is really, really helpful. And, and really not to have spend time with people that I don't like. I think that's a good thing. it's really important, especially as an empath, you know what I mean? Somebody who's very sensitive. So I think that's important.
0: Wow. So I guess I was like, I have so many more questions on mental health, but I think I will wrap this up. I wanted to ask, what do you think is your mom superpower that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better in either parenting, in business, whatever that is? I, I
1: think it's just having patience. Right. And, and, you know, your kids, like you're last you you, I'm not saying you are last on the list, but you are last on the list. And, you know, if your kid's going to have a tantrum in the middle of target, well, tough nookies, you're going to just have to deal with it. You know, I think that it. you have such an idea. Like when I had my, when I was pregnant with Max, I was like, my kids are going to Montessori and they're going to here. And, and that now, You know what I mean? Like, so I think it just humbles you and and just really helps you to understand that, you know, I already was great at meeting kids where they were at, but certainly this has really helped me to really understand no matter where somebody's at, you've got to help them. And I know that that's. You know, part of what I do, but certainly patience is a huge thing. And I have a lot of young staff now, and just a lot of mentoring and patience and clear language. And you know, I mean, things don't go the way you expect with kids, even if they're easy, right? Like some kids are just have an easier temperament. So I think that's probably my. I don't really get super stressed. I get stressed when people are out of their go out of their way to be disrespectful. You want to see me? mad. It's when somebody is disrespectful. You have to sign three different places. When you work with me, that you will be respectful to every staff member.
0: I think I love that. You know, your values. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things I've seen throughout this is that you just like, you know, what you want and you know, your values and you stick to it and it helps you create better boundaries. And I think we, as moms and even women sometimes have a hard time outlining that because we do. Help everyone else except for ourselves.
1: I I met Oprah and, and
0: saw her in two thousand. I saw. I was going <laughs> say I saw a photo of you two together or something. And
1: she was speaking, and she was like, "Who's in their forties and fifties. And we were like, eh, you know." And she's like, "Oh, you're finally learning to say no, you know." So I was inculturated to say no. So I love that finally. My friends, when they got into their 40s, learned how to say that. And and no is just a healthy boundary. That's it. I'm not saying you say no to everything. I clearly don't say no to everything. But I know myself, and it's freeing to have, have boundaries. Like, it's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to work with a client who yells at the clinical staff or the office staff. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're literally going to get kicked out. And I think get a call at- for me
0: that yeah, says yeah. you're
1: being rude. I say, what can I do to help you? because something's going on and I want to help you. And you're clearly anxious. And then usually there's some crying and it's good. And then I'm like, we can't have that anymore. And then it, and it will end. And then if it
0: happens again, you're out. Wow. And I think we were at the same place where no is just next opportunity. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, even though you're saying no, something better might come from it. And I think yeah. that's hard for us to say no, because we think we're like, it, you know, closing off the doors or whatnot. So yes. I love that. And I was like, great advice for though moms who are kind of in the younger stages in terms of like raising young kids is I, I love that, that you're like, yep, women in my like 40s, 50s, like saying no now, because I think when you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're trying to do it all and say yes to everything yes. because you, yeah. know, you have the FOMO, you have whatever that is. And so I think that's also just great advice for, you know, younger moms, entrepreneurs, whatever that might be.
1: And you're just going to not get conflicts with people because you're going to be clear in your boundaries. Yeah. Like it's really a lifesaver. And I literally am a huge go giver, like, and I'm and known for being a go giver. So it's not like I'm not a giver, but you just have to say, sometimes people ask me to do things or, or, you know, I don't do anything I don't love anymore. I never did, but I really never do now. Like I'm like, eh, No. And I think it's so important as a young mom, you know, kids, when you you have a young kid, oh my gosh, they take every bit of attention from you. And energy,
0: everything. Energy. <laughs>
1: And you know, we never vacation without our kids. We don't leave our kids, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. I'm not criticizing if you go on vacation, I'm blessing you. It's just not in our cards. And I think that when you just have those kind of demands on you, it's hard, especially in this pandemic. Like one of the moms who works here was like, Roseanne, we couldn't even go to like the museums. I'm like, Oh my God, Katya, I didn't even think about that. Like I was always at a museum. I was the mom who was like, we're getting this membership and we're going here and we're doing this. And I loved every minute of it, you know? So you, you gotta have boundaries for yourself and, and trust me, uh, every young woman that I mentor and work with, I teach them this and I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to have a boundary. You're going to be so much better off for it. And you're going to be happier.
0: I love that. So where can we find you online? You can find me or doctor, physically. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Roseanne everywhere. D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N.
1: And that's dot com. That's TikTok. That's YouTube. That's Instagram. Dr. Roseanne.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule. Well, thank you for this conversation. I talked
1: about things that I don't always talk about. And I just want, you know, wherever you are in your parenting journey is where you need to be. And if you're struggling, you know, it's going to be okay. You just need to take one action and and do it. And, and you'll, you know, it's all going to start with you and you've got to take care of yourself.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time you <laughs>